Hello and thank you for downloading this episode of Discussing Doki. <laughs> We're recording this at night. We never record it at night. I'm not the best at night. I, I didn't know where we were there for a second, Rick. I really... Yeah, this is going to be like one of our Rush Hour 3 outtakes <laughs> at the end of our action. This is... <laughs> um, hello and welcome to Discussing Documentaries with me, Matt Wills and Rick Wharton. How are you, Rick? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm 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 under the age of fifty five, so I'm fine being, I'm fine talking after seven. <laughs> Gets harder when you're my age, man. So on today's docket we are talking about Bobby Fisher, Genius and Madman, or also known as and this is why you might have had problems finding it, Bobby Fisher against the world. It's got two different names thank fuck when you said bobby fisher genius and madman i thought oh shit have we both watched separate different documentaries about this crackpot <laughs> i'd be devastated well, let's, well actually we might have there are a few there are a few documentaries no, out I, there. I watched i watched bobby fisher against the world cool. yeah okay i watched that but it's got two names that's why you would have been fractionally confused yeah. the one that you watched did you play a lot of chess and struggle to seem human yeah yeah, we watched the same one then, brilliant. But I, I think that's just Bobby Fischer. Well, he played chess when he fancied it, basically. Did he do that in yours as well? We'll get into it. Right, you, you critic. Okay, okay. Right, let me finish the blurb then. So it was made in the year 2011. My provider for this one was YouTube. How did you watch it? Did you buy it or steal it? Although YouTube's... Buy a bit, yeah. You did, you stole it, okay. Um, the yeah. director is Liz Garbus. The money, not bad on the money, 90 grand. That's, I mean, that's not great, but it's uh, it's not bad. One win, four nominations were the accolades, and I'll give you the blurb. This documentary explores the tragic and bizarre life of the chess master, Bobby Fischer. The drama of his career was undeniable. From a troubled childhood to rock star status as world champion and Cold War icon, to his life as a fugitive on the run. This was interesting and not in equal measure. <laughs> Here in that blurb, they're really focused on the wrong half, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in other documentaries, I always say, you know, it's like two halves, and I'm really happy in the first half, mm. and then the punch in the face for the second half. In this one, it was almost like 90% of the documentary was around this thing, and then the interesting stuff was the last ten percent. Yeah, the interesting stuff was quite sad as well. But we'll, Le- we'll start off because they really, they they really blow this one out. It's a HBO documentary, so I had very high hopes. Yeah, of, of this, I, I've I've rarely been read, led down the wrong path of a HBO documentary, and um, it starts off. It's got that kind of gravitas voice of. Um, he was what Muhammad Ali was to boxing, <laughs> kind of the voice. I was waiting for him to do the Bret Hart thing, you know, the best there's ever been, the best there was, the best there ever will be. That's what I was waiting for, because that's how they build him up, right? I think some people in his life waited 70 years to see an ounce of charisma in that man, and they are still waiting. 
Because like it's it's the way they just overblow it. Like I said, that quote, the the at what Ali is to boxing. Like if it was any other fucking board game, like he's the Michael Jordan of backgammon. <laughs> he's he's the Lionel Messi of hungry hippos. <laughs> I think you're doing him a bit of an injustice because he did, he changed oh, the popularity. He was the, the Dostoevsky of Connect Four. <laughs> but he changed the popularity of chess globally. I mean, that mm. that takes some doing. The news footage of when they went, and tonight we're going to talk about the Vietnam War, we're going to talk about Nixon uh, abdicating. But let's, let's start with Bobby Fischer. He was, he was headline news. It was the Wayne Gretzky of Pontoon. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a documentary I'd watch, Wayne Gretzky. See, I love a sports documentary. Absolutely love a sports documentary. And I sadly found out while watching this documentary, chess isn't a sport. I thought it was. I genuinely thought chess was a sport and I thought this would be inspirational. It was not. It was just... Well, I fell asleep four times, just to give you a an idea of, of how it went. but And the reason we're watching it, let, let's line that up first. So me and your mum are watching a TV show on Netflix called The Queen's Gambit. Oh, that's not... I, I, I just aware that's a thing. I um, I didn't pick oh, up right. well, that. But effectively, it's the Bobby Fischer story Yeah, with a woman. Right. So, um, yeah, and that's how this one popped up because I said, oh, I've just finished watching The Queen's Gambit. Your mum's in the middle of watching it. And I went, oh, we should. I'm not comfortable you two are texting. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a nice lady. Uh, so, yeah, it's a nod to the Queen's Gambit. I've got no more to say. Uh... <laughs> right, there was, do you ever watch Big Train, the sketch show? No, with um, Simon Pegg. I think he was in that, yeah. Well, they had like yeah. a cartoon bit of a staring competition. And they had uh, enthusiastic commentators watching the staring composition. It's all that reminded me of when you seen the footage of the chess. It would just be like a, a, literally a cartoon drawing of two people staring. Goes, oh, he's trying to go in around the back way. He's trying. He's blocked it. He's blocked it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Have you ever played chess? Uh, I've. I, they attempted to show me as a kid. They attempted. Oh, I, okay. I know, like, right. what that one can move in right angles. One can move anywhere. Like, how many spaces can the pawn move? Two on its first ever move, and then one, and it can only take diagonally. Right, because I thought it was being a smart ass. Where, um, what was it? It's June when he gets to the world championship. The guy puts it out two, and I'm like, "Is the world champion? You should know. You're not allowed to do that." Let's just move ahead. <laughs> we think he made a rookie mistake that yeah. even you could unpick it. Oh, okay, um, I, my dad taught me to play chess, and oh yeah, he demolished me. Well, you would hope so. So the apparently the trick, cause the, the the trick to teaching a child something, by all accounts, is to show them how it works, let them get a taste of how it works by letting them win a couple of times, and then start destroying them so they understand then the theory behind why they're losing, and then mm -hmm. they get better. No, my dad destroyed me from the off. I was about six years old. He ripped me to pieces time and time again. Never, ever beaten my dad. And then he does the victory dance afterwards I've, to I've a six-year-old. In your face, shorty. I've got a similar story about something that happened uh, in the last couple of years for me. So uh, me old flatmate, before he moved out, um, we uh, we got a wrestling game for the Xbox. 
And I've never, since the age of like 13, I've never had anyone that be willing to play me frequently because I've just played it that, these that much that it's just, it's not even fair. Do you know what I mean? You're the like, expert. Yeah, like I've just, I've had a lot of free time in the last couple of You're years. You're the Michael Jordan and they're me. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm the Bobby Fisher of SmackDown versus Raw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so when we got it, and this is the funny thing, it was the most like rest, realistic wrestling of all time because I I was throwing it without him knowing it. So the the matches were actually predetermined, but I wanted him to enjoy playing it. So I'm I've got to the point where I'm like losing matches and having a fake match with him. So he's getting into it. <laughs> oh, you'd be a good dad then. Oh yeah, but then then one day he, he got cocky, so that, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I drilled him into the mat and destroyed the. Fucker. Have you seen that Mick Foley Helen the Cell match? The mankind getting chucked off. Yeah, it was yeah, like have, it, it was yeah. like all the it was like all the bad parts are beyond the mat. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm not going to play any wrestling games with you. Um, that'd be a great name for an Edinburgh show for you. What beyond the mat? Yeah. 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 Maybe. Yeah. So Bobby Fischer, he started playing chess at six years old. He's from America and he became the United States champion by, I think it was by about the age of 15. He was a, yeah, he was superb at it. He's from Brooklyn. So he's got that great Brooklyn accent. I, I loved his accent. I thought that was just, that was one of the coolest things about him. It was hard to find stuff that was cool about this guy. Um, his mum. There was the there's the constant um, interview they keep going back to in the park where it just looks like they've bothered yeah. someone feeding the pigeons. <laughs> it's just nothing yeah, feels like an interview about it. Cool. And he's a giant of a man, isn't he? He seems really reminded me of Jaws from Bond, like those facial features. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Okay. Um. Um. He li- he was raised by his mum amongst her many jobs. Did you hear this? She was a welder. Yeah, she did it all. She she yeah. did absolutely everything. She had three jobs making it work. They moved around a lot. Yeah. She was an activist. She's, you see her popping in, but he hated his mum. Like he, yeah, he was not a fan of her. Well, she was a communist, so she got hounded by the government. She also spoke Russian, so she was considered a spy. Right? There was a nine hundred page dossier on her from the FBI. Yeah. I mean, that's and so. Because he, in later life, and we will get to this, he was incredibly paranoid. That was instilled into him from a very young age by his mum, was the impression I got. Like she was, and her intellect was outstanding, again, which, you know, and he, he was very much like her. He was a smart cookie, right? He was, mm. Oh, super smart kid. Like, and uh, again, he, he's got into chess and he, that's that's what he loves. That's all he's interested in is his chess. Yeah. He's like a prodigy. He's he's playing like 20 adults at a time. Yeah. And whopping them. (laughs) He's not like Bart Simpson when he's playing their blokes in the park. And then he cut. He's playing six blokes and everyone's like, wow, this kid's amazing. And then all the old men go, check, 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 check. Yeah, he wasn't that. He was the guy who was checking everyone. He was, yeah, he was incredible, right? At 29, he was living uh, a monastic style lifestyle. He had a personal trainer. He was working on his handshake. That really, that really cracked me up when he started talking about the because uh, no, because he he wins the national championship and that gives him the right to play the world champion. Yeah, uh, Spassky. Yes, and uh, Spassky is a Russian. 
Yes, and then some. And there was also claims that uh, after watching the Icarus documentary, Knock Me Down with a Feather, the Russians had cheated at the chess. <laughs> I don't know where your YouTube... Well, my YouTube feed took me down a rabbit hole. I started watching Bobby Fischer chess games after watching this documentary. You didn't, did you? Yeah. And I watched game six of the Spassky game, which is considered <laughs> like... <laughs> Well, it's considered... It's called Homework, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll get to it. You, you, you wait until we get to the Spassky match, okay? Because I've got some fucking points about this. <laughs> but um, we will get to the Spassky thing. But basically, he had a personal trainer, and this fascinated me. He got the personal trainer to work on his grip, as well as his overall body strength, because he said chess is exhausting. And now I've played chess. Now, probably, maybe I wasn't doing it right. I didn't even break a sweat. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I'm not world champ, right? Because the, the computations they do, there's billions of moves, depending on who moves where. And it's, yeah. it melts your brain, basically. Yeah. So It's, um, it's just I, an old game that's lasted. It's not that interesting is the problem. Like... And again, so he'll go through it, and it's a big deal that he's going to play the Russian. And the most interesting part for me is the Russian training. So, like, the Russians are put into a school and just taught chess every day. Yeah. And you see the classrooms, and you see them all in the tournaments and stuff like that. It's absolutely like Soviet Russia was something else. Oh, God, yeah. They wanted winners because this was the height of the Cold War. So the Spassky game came, what was that, 1972. And what's that, um, you know, when they do the training for the chess, what's that, uh, that thing with the, it's like a tree trunk with sticks sticking out and the martial artists kind of. Oh yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. It's it's in the Bruce Lee Enter the Dragon movie. No, no, the way of the dragon, the Bruce Lee true story. Right. Okay. Have you ever seen Bruce Lee true story? Just quickly. Uh, it's played by Jason Lee, I think it is. I think I have. Yeah, is that where he has a go at his uh, mother-in-law? Because she's like, "Oh, you can't marry this kid. What, what sort of children yeah. are you going to have?" Oh yeah, God, yeah, yeah the yeah. most oh, overt racism you've ever seen yeah. in your life. That's what the best. That's the only bioptic movie where someone actually fights a demon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't even click to that as a kid at how far you could stretch a metaphor to make a movie interesting. <laughs> he did a lot of steroids and his heart exploded. No, he beat a nine foot demon with nunchucks. <laughs> and then he, he'd beaten his demons and, and then he died of uh, drug abuse. <laughs> well, um, we currently, we finished it last night, uh, season one of Warrior. It was Bruce Lee's story, basically, his idea for a for a TV show. And there's a the reason why that's in my head, there's a lot of that stick sticking out of the tree trunk where he's going pew, pew, pew. But that's when I thought, did did the chess players have like the chess version of that? Where they're like moving the pawn back and forward and you know, they're practicing their picky up and putty down skills to see how they get on. Like how do you train for It's fascinating. For chess? It absolutely cracked me up because He was swimming, he was running. He has the right to play Spassky. They went, so it's booked next August. And it's like he's got nine months to train for Spassky. And it's a game of chess. Do you know what I mean? And the idea that he's going for a UFC level training camp. <laughs> for, I think you're dismissing fu- how hard chess is. Yeah, I absolutely. That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah, it's, 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 I imagine it's a tricky game. <laughs> 
No, because you're equating it to uh, drafts or hungry hippos. Yeah. No. You need to watch the Queen's this, Gambit. Is what this you is what fact. Yo, like, this is why you got an emotional bond to chess. I get you. So it what cracked well, that me and my up. My dad beating me. There's that. Yeah. So what what cracked me up was um, Henry. They, they, they an interview Henry Kissinger, and I'm like, what's yeah. Henry Kissinger doing in this? And he turns around and says. Yeah, I thought it'd be good for America if we beat the Soviets at chess. I thought, imagine, imagine bringing that up at the Pentagon. <laughs> it's like, you're worried about the Cuban Missile Crisis, they're going the moving ships here, yep. and you go, wait a minute, I think Bobby Fish has got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how insane the Cold War was, right? Kissinger had to convince him to do it, didn't he? And go, no, you got to play it. And every few minutes, they'll show like some footage going, the stakes couldn't be higher. <laughs> but yeah, because he was difficult. He wouldn't sign contracts. This is how you know you're one of the best at what you do. If they're giving you a chess contract to, to sign and you're like, no, I'm not signing it. I want this. I want it played on neutral ground. I want, you know, green M&Ms. And they go, yeah, OK. They gave in to every single one of his demands. Me and you don't get that sort of shit, Rick, right? We can't go, no, actually, we'd, we'd like the microphone set up before we get there, please. No, because we're not good enough. That's the bottom <laughs> line. That's how good this guy was. He got the green M&Ms that me and you don't get. Well, just just when they were talking about um, the sort of Russian mentality was it would be good for Mother Russia to beat the decadent West at chess. Yes. And my honest thought to that was, well, I guess every generation has its flat earthers. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember the Cold War. It was it was rough. Really, really rough. So the world number one, Spassky, they, they get it all signed eventually. And then Bobby Fischer, basically, he's, he starts titting about, doesn't he? He starts throwing his toys out the pram. And his mate, his, his mate... I, who he apparently grew up playing chess with, he's a proper New York goodfella type guy. Hey, he's a wise guy. And he says, uh, the only person who knows what Bobby Fischer is going to do is Bobby Fischer. Because he doesn't turn up in Iceland. Yeah, he refuses the to whole go. World. Yeah, he's like, nah, fuck it, The whole going. world is waiting yeah. to watch this chess match. And it was... So he went to the airport and then he saw a news reporter. So he ran out of the airport and jumped back into a car. And then the guy... So the guy who's talking was his lawyer. Yes. And he says... He's a chess uh, player with a lawyer. <laughs> I know. And um, so the guy who's his lawyer who's given this talking head telling him what's going on right now is like, my dad, there was the most stressful week of my life because we had to get Bobby to Iceland, but also my dad was dying of cancer. And I says to him, you can stay at my house for as long as you need. So he wanted to get him from Pasadena, California to New York, which was closer yeah. to getting the flight to Iceland. So he thought, you'll move him to here, to here. And unfortunately, he saw that pawn to rook move across the country. And <laughs> was just like, so, so you can't think two, you got to think 47 steps ahead with Bobby Fisher. So they get, him, they get him to his house. Now remember, his this guy's dad is on his deathbed. Yep. And he says, look, and he turns around to Bobby. This day, like the chess match is like starting in the day's time. He says, "Look, my my dad's dying here." And he went, "Oh, that's okay. I don't mind." <laughs> <laughs> that was brutal, wasn't it? Because he's so disconnected. He's play been playing chess since he was six. He is disconnected from humanity because he's he's put so much into understanding chess. But 
let, let's cut to the chase, right? Because effectively, if this was a boxing film, it would be Rocky. Because the lead up to because the you action, don't know everything. another boxing name to reference. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, Cinderella Van. Well, it, it wouldn't be Raging Bull because he never had a wife to hit. <laughs> no, uh, he had never had anyone to hit. No one stuck around. But if it was a boxing film, you'd lead up to this game with Spassky, and it's it's not just one game of chess. I I got the impression it was. It's the best of 24 did, games, did and you it feel six weeks. Did you feel like that was a punch in the stomach when you got told that bit of information? If they told me that... <laughs> <laughs> that, that might have been one of the points where I fell asleep. But there was a great... So they get to Iceland, right? And then basically they then go through the number of games that him and Spassky had to play. And there was, there was childish behaviour on both sides. Uh, Bobby Fischer, for one of the matches, he don't even turn up. Oh man, like, I don't. Oh, I, the Russian by far and by <laughs> was by far the nicest out. Of the, like Bobby Fischer, a, he didn't turn up for the opening match. He went to Iceland, didn't turn up for the match. Yeah, they started the clock. Uh, game one, I think he did turn up for, but he turned up an hour late. Just walked onto the, the auditorium and said, uh, "Sorry, I was caught in traffic." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not that smart, then, are you? He Mr. immediately. <laughs> immediately goes and complains to the judges that the cameras are too loud. Yeah. He might be a Cylon, right, in disguise. He could be a Cylon sleeper agent when he's uh, he's hearing those things. There was a great... What what gave this documentary gravitas, not the fact that it was about one of the greatest chess players that ever lived, was that they kept going to, during the 1972 uh, match, they kept going to this really clipped English guy. It's just the greatest British accent you've ever heard. And he said, describing the chess match, the most intellectual battle of the mind known to man. Well, he's clearly never tried to get served in the UK after they've taken your pint and it's 11 o'clock. Like, no, give me back that pint. No, sorry, 11 o'clock. That's an intellectual struggle. Not fucking chess. Jesus, Matt. <laughs> I think lately I fancy a beer. Yeah, it's... have a little window into your old drinking problem. Your Bobby Fisher mentality trying to get you to sit down at the table and do this fucking episode. Just like, no. <laughs> nope, the peas. The peas are too loud. Um, I'm not doing it if you didn't have a fucking pop shield. Where's the best thing for me in this documentary? I, I did enjoy the documentary. I'm being a bit harsh. You're sucking me into you having a go at Bobby Fisher, and we shouldn't do that until later on. But, um, you're right, you're right. So it gets to the game, and the first one, Bobby makes uh, a big rookie error and loses game one. He yep. then refuses to turn up for game two. Yep. Uh, by game three, the arbiter of the game, so not the ref, because they don't have a ref, but they have an arbiter. He had to grab them both round the scruff of the neck and scream at them to pull themselves together. This is two grown men being grabbed round the... Have you ever seen Rain Man? Uh, yeah. I imagine that would be like the scene when he grabs him in the in the casino. <laughs> Bobby just starts screaming. <laughs> Wapner. Um, but yeah, so he grabs him round the neck. So they, they got on and then they start playing. And then it's like a boxing movie, right? And they're going, oh, yeah. So it's the first to 12. But then they jump straight to game six. So game six, now Fisher was known for his consistency, right, in his entire life. So he always had the same breakfast. 
Um, he always again when you have Russians note. doing talking heads, and this shows just how charismatic the guy was in Icarus because the guy's going. If he had a boiled egg for breakfast, he would have a boiled egg for breakfast every day. And he was he was like this with he was like this with chess. <laughs> and you're like, all right, right. <laughs> Grigory, you're right from Icarus. He yeah, he's he's probably the most. Uh... I was looking for him in the background, just to be giving little injections into Spassky's <laughs> neck as they're going. Piss in here, go piss in here. Um, but game six, so he's known for his consistency in everything he does, and then. He started doing moves that, you know, no one would really ever do in that sort of game. And it psychologically, it broke Spassky. Well, you, because he hadn't trained for that. Yeah. What nonsense. I think that's what he was trying. I I got this. I think that's what he was trying in game one. Because, you know, in game one, when he gets caught and they make a big deal out of his bishop gets caught or something like that. And you go, why would he ever think that move would be da da da? And I think he was attempting that then. So what he's doing is he's like putting bait out to try and out Yeah, okay. Basically. So lose lose a few and, yeah, get the guy on side. Um, but game six was considered such a beautiful game that Bobby Fischer won. Afterwards, Spassky stood up and applauded him because Fischer played so well. Now, Spassky's the best in the world. And he got up and went, well, I doffed my cap, sir. Well Especially done. Especially with what a dick Bobby Fisher had been in the build-up to this. Like, yeah. Because he'd done everything. He'd delayed. He refused. They're currently in a wind tunnel with a closed-circuit camera instead of in the auditorium because he refuses to yeah. play there. Like, he did everything to be difficult and to delay this. And then for Spassky just to have, like, dignity and to applaud him. And then the Russian government get involved and start saying they need to check his chairs because they're using some kind of electronics to tire out Spassky. And they're, yeah. they're investigating the chairs and the lights on them. And then they found two dead flies. And there's newspaper reports going, who killed the flies? Why were the <laughs> flies dead? <laughs> Drop the dead donkey. It was a slow And we've day. seen that in, what was it, Honest Liar, when they're saying the Russians are working on, on mind control techniques. So we have to start working on mind control techniques. Yeah. And they go, what have we got in R&D? Oh, my God, they're using the dead flies. We didn't think of <laughs> <laughs> Barry, I told you we should have looked at the flies. Um, part of the way through the documentary, one of my favourite writers and podcasters turns up, Malcolm Gladwell. Do you know Malcolm Gladwell? Have you heard of him? The name rings a bell. Oh, okay, he's superb, right? He wrote a book called Outliers. Uh, he, I think, well, he was one of the people who coined the term the 10,000-hour rule, and that's how you become an expert at something. Ah, right. His books, David and Goliath, are superb. His podcast, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Now, he turns up and I'm like, oh, okay, things are going to start getting good because Malcolm Gladwell's here. Nope, he's never seen again. He makes one statement. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't recognize him. One statement and that was it. Destroyed me. Game 21 of the uh, World Championship. <laughs> this, is, this is one of my points, okay? Like, I... I... These are the greatest, most important chess games of all time. And even then, they have to skim over 99.5% of them because it's just tough watching. It is. It's it tough is tough watching. watching. Yeah, yeah. But Game 21 was known as the all-nighter because they had to stop and then it goes overnight. And Yeah, yeah and so then... what happens is that you get reach 40 moves 
and then they stopped, and then you get to study the board and go home overnight. And basically, what I think Spassky must have done is went over the board a thousand times and saw that all moves that he could make would now mean Fisher would win. Yeah. And bear in mind, Fisher was two and a half points down, and everyone said no one makes that kind of comeback. By this stage, it was 11 and a half to Bobby Fisher and eight to Spassky. He'd not only, he'd, he'd Ronnie O'Sullivan him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, 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 once he did that, um, the hoodwink move and beat him, apparently he just lost all confidence. Yeah. And he psychologically beat him. And, you know, fair play. He goes on to win the game and Spassky stood up and said, I've, I've seen, you know, the greatest chess player I've ever played chess against is you. And then he goes from being the world's greatest chess player to effectively, he's like a rock and roll style icon. In the world well, because the whole chess. world watched it, apparently. Yeah. It was, there was a really funny thing, because um, it shows you the news, and they go through two major news stories, and then Bobby Fisher was like, we'll talk about Bobby Fisher first. Yeah. Number one is like, uh, there's been some troubles in Ireland. Uh, the GM Motors has closed down. It goes, yeah, that was all the trouble. The factory closed. That's all that happened. Next, Bobby Fisher. And then they had the Watergate. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah, more on the Watergate. But first, Bobby Fisher uh, moved his pawn. But it's because... They had to beat the Russians. It was really key for America's, uh, well, it's a big dick swinging contest, wasn't it? The Cold War. And yeah, they just wanted to win that little part of it. It's simple as that. So Bobby wins. And I'm sure if you watch the same doc as me, which I'm not, I'm not entirely sure you did. Um, well, <laughs> he, he was, he was interviewed by an NBC correspondent called Dick Shaft. I can't believe I missed that. Yeah, because that comes back up later. So he's interviewed by an NBC correspondent called Dick Shaft, and uh, he's talking to Bobby, and they became friends. And um, Bobby says, uh, my goal now is to play more chess. I don't think I've played enough chess. <laughs> yeah, well, you've played 12 and a half games, Bobby. Or, or, no, what have you played? He would have played 20 games by that stage. And then, and then uh, someone said that... Uh, Oh, uh, I just had this premonition that something awful was going to happen to him. And I thought, I got to be honest, for this documentary, get more than a 2.5 out of me. Something really fucking awful <laughs> has to happen to Bobby Fisher. I mean, Bobby Fisher has to go and get a job at SeaWorld. <laughs> <laughs> well, something terrible does happen. So peppered throughout the documentary is uh, a photographer who followed him all around Iceland uh, and they, they became friends. His name is Harry Benson. Now, to give you an idea of how big Harry Benson was, he's got his own documentary made about him. Oh, really? Yeah, called Shoot First. So he was the guy who um, photographed... He's a Scottish guy. Uh, he's the guy who photographed the Beatles when they first went to America. And basically, he's he's photographed everybody. He's like one of the world's most famous photographers. Right. Never heard of him, have you? Yeah, yeah. No, no, me, no, no, me neither. But he's got his own documentary. Shoot first. I thought when he popped up, I was like, I know that guy. How do I know that guy? Oh yeah, Harry Benson. And he was peppered throughout the documentary, going, "Yeah, listen, you had to choose what you said to Bobby. You couldn't just, you couldn't just be in a conversation and just let it run away with you. You had to really be careful with your words because he goes, he could flip out. Yeah." He's got what we'd call now, I guess, mental health issues. So the, 
there was a thing saying that because they were explaining how like he's been doing this since the age of six. He's been very self-sufficient because his mom would kind of just leave him and his sister to it. So he didn't really have a childhood. And then it shows you a picture of him in one of those. Do you know, like the, it looked like, do you know, outside a supermarket, those little rides you see kids get on for 50p, like the Bougie yes. the helicopter. <laughs> Not just kids. Some of yeah. us, if we still fit, Rick, still enjoy a go in the aeroplane <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> nothing wrong with reliving your childhood rick because you weren't always allowed to go i've now got money i can jump in their machines whenever i like <laughs> screw you dad screw <laughs> beat me a chess will you wait your turn kid and i'll push some kid over oh that's funny um <laughs> But yeah, so Bobby takes a bit of a weird turn because you see him like on a TV show earlier talking about conspiracy theories. And he honestly does sound like fucking Fox Mulder talking about, you know, nuclear disarmament and uh, the waters and poisoning waters and things. He goes on to a friend of the show, Johnny Carson show, and he's talking. And again, on that, he's sounding... I guess he wants to come across as really intellectual, right? But he comes across as like... Just maybe he is overthinking things. Then that made me start overthinking stuff. So I don't know if you remember episode 29 when... Tell me the name uh, of the episode, not the yeah, number, Yeah, sure. Please. So uh, DeLorean. So it was all about DeLorean. And then I right. got to interview Barry Wills, right? Yeah. And I said at the time, I think Barry Wills has been on more documentaries than anybody else. Because there's, you know, there's about six or seven DeLorean documentaries and Barry's in all of them, um, as well as other documentaries of cars he's done. Well, I think a contender for Barry's title might be Johnny Carson. Yeah, well, it's not Carson giving interviews, obviously, because he's passed away. But since he was the leading chat show, like, yeah, everyone passed through the Carson episode. Yeah. So I think he might be taking the crown off Barry for a person who's been on more documentaries than anyone else. And then it says... uh, he joined a cult, and I'm like, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, could this be part of Cult Classic Month? No, because he's only in the cult for about four weeks, isn't he? Because, yeah, basically he gets really heavily into it. It's called the Worldwide Church of God, which is very much fundamental as Christian, and they had a prophecy of the end of the world that then the day it passed and the world never ended. So Bobby gets angry and writes him a letter. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane, isn't it? He gets so angry that he leaves. And they're like, no, hang on, Bobby. We've got other prophecies. You had your chance. You blew it. And then, so Nan is saying things like he was scared of the Russians and scared of the secret police. Oh, by the way, in this time, he refuses to defend his title, so they whip it off him and give it to, like, a 19-year-old kid. Yeah, some Russian child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He got. he just refused to play, and then, yeah, so he, the, the title got taken off him. He's scared of the Israeli police. There's anything to do with Israel is always a little bit of a red flag in a documentary. Um, and then you start read, finding out about the books he gets into, like books called uh, the Protocols Learned, Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion, uh, the Illuminati, mm. the White Man Bible, which I, I think is men's fitness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, and here's the weird thing: Bobby Fisher, whose mum was a Jew who is Jewish himself, he becomes an anti-Semite. Yeah. He's like super anti-Semitic. 
I mean, super anti-Semitic. When whenever anyone speaks to him, he steers the conversation towards the problems with the, the Jewish people. You're like, oh, hang on, Bobby, you're you're Jewish. What? What? I, I, I'll tell you what. Right, you don't even learn what Zion means about being fucking anti-Semitic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he he gets so increasingly paranoid. Right, he he turns into um, John Malkovich from the film Red. He starts wearing tinfoil hats, tinfoil on the uh, on the windows. That's just insane. You know, the, the church, the church was called the Church of God, right? And he, as you said, he left the church because of one of their prophecies didn't come true. That's how I feel about my football team, West Ham United, because they've prophesied for years that we're going to be great. We're not. I want to leave. I'm done. Fuck them. No, no, no. You're, you're, they've said we will forever blow bubbles and they, they have upheld... <laughs> Their end of the burgundy bargain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how much this documentary didn't uh, didn't grab me. I had to I had to come up with a football reference to to weave that in. I'm I'm still banking on our prophecy. <laughs> but so One then, day, my pretty, he's a then, full-on conspiracy nut, isn't he? That's that's what he becomes. And Fisher disappears. He disappears, and in 1990, he shows up in Pasadena. Uh, because a lady writes to him saying that he is the Mozart of chess. Yeah. And she's called Zeta. And yeah, Zeta Ray Kansanyi. And she would love for him to play chess again. And I w- <laughs> and Bobby immediately writes back and asks, could you send me some photos <laughs> <laughs> of, of what you look like? Yeah, but men are so basic. And They're then so she's on the news because she gets him to go into a chess tournament and so yeah. she's on the news. And on the news, it, underneath, it says Zeta, what's the last name? Ray Kansanyi. Her. So it's a, <laughs> and, <laughs> and underneath that, it just says in brackets, Bobby's girl with an exclamation mark. <laughs> We're not dim- dismissing her in any way. He's, well, he's, he, again, it comes to it with her, but he's signed to have a rematch with Spassky. And then, so which, they, is, which is basically, that's the film. What's the film with Stallone and De Niro where they get two old fighters to to come? Grudge match. Oh, grudge match, yeah, because that's Raging Bull versus Rocky, yeah. Yes, right. And it, it's basically it's that. And they're like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do that. Let's make this happen again. But by now, he's a full-on conspiracy nut. He's uh, nuts. And when you see him, because uh, he's going to do it in Yugoslavia for some reason, the rematch. And Yugoslavia had the conflict on the time, so it was a fucking UN embargo. So mm. he gets the he gets the letter on TV. I mean, this is quiet, Bobby. This is one word answer until the age of thirty-two, Bobby Fisher. And he's just said, and now he's like he's like bald, he's overweight, he's really aged badly. Um, and he's he's there, and he says, "This is the letter I got from the UN," and he just spits on the letter. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't from the UN; it was from the United States government. I thought that one was UN. Oh, I thought it was... The, anyway, he spits on it and says, like, screw you. You can't... I just want to play chess. You can't tell me where I can and can't play chess. And then and they turn around... Turns out they can. <laughs> and then they say that um, there's a question saying... Because up behind them, it says a rematch of the world champions. And then uh, a big banner. And one of the reporters says, so if you win this, does that then qualify you for a match at the world champion? He says, look at the fucking banner behind me. I missed my quiz. <laughs> um, 
And, and, and then, it. so I, he gets up to, the, if he gets caught in the US now, he gets up to 10 years in jail and they take the millions of pounds prize money that he won. Yeah. So he wins that. They take that off. He him. wins that in Yugoslavia. And they said, you come back here. They've got a warrant out for his arrest. Um, he's shouting out all this anti-Semitic stuff. He's now anti-American as well. Oh, Zeta writes to him and says that uh, I don't want to marry you. He writes back saying, "Call me immediately, you bitch." <laughs> like he's, he is, back. he's, he's the worst. Nut. He is he is the fucking worst as Bobby Fisher. Like as an ex-boyfriend, uh, he's not what you want, right? He is not even close to what you want as an ex-boyfriend. On nine eleven, he phones a Filipino F- Filipino radio station called Radio Bambo, <laughs> and, and says, "This is a wonderful day. This is about time yeah. this happens." Is it, yeah, and he's like, so anti-American. He's cheering for the success of nine eleven. It's uh, and then George it's quite Bush horrible, isn't it? Depending on the side of the argument, you know, you're on. Um, it's hard to be on Bobby's side. It's been hard to be on Bobby's yeah. side this whole time. I mean, the Soviet Russia looks better and more pleasant than being in Bobby's company. And now at the point, now that he's talked shit about 9-11, George Bush went, no, nah, we're getting them. So he gets detained in Japan on visa issues immediately. And there's a whole extradition um, argument of where he has to go. America wants him to come back to America. Japan are going to extradite him. Yeah. Japan are going yeah. to extradite him. He calls his bodyguard from the chess match 20 years. He's like, hadn't heard from him in 20 years, but he called me to come yeah. and help him. Actually, and it was then... more. It was about 30 years. Uh, actually, it would have been more because that chess match was 72. So, yeah, he phones his Icelandic bodyguard. So, what's that, 72 to 2001? Yeah, that's 30 years ago. And the funny How thing is, he yeah, find that geezer's number. <laughs> oh, come on. you got to believe Bobby Fisher remembers a phone number. He's only been given three in his life, and he's just called the second one a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he so, phones up, and the weird thing is, the Icelandic bodyguard says, where are you, Bobby? And he went, oh, I've been nicked. I'm in Japan. Hang on, son. I'm coming out to get you. And he then flies he goes, to Japan. But he goes, I'll make it into a documentary, and he calls it Bobby and Me. And I'm like, all through it, Bobby's like, I don't like cameras. I don't want to be around the news press, blah, blah, blah. I hate all this. I hate all this. So he's just like, yeah, I'll come and help you. <laughs> Bring the boom, Mike. I bet he loved that. <laughs> I bet he fucking adored having him turn up with the thing. But fair play to him, right? How good is this is the bodyguard you want? He gets a phone call after 30 years. He flies out to Japan. He bails you out of jail. He then gets his government. Now, bear in mind, Iceland's only got 300,000 people, right? You know, the most notable thing they've done since saving Bobby Fischer was beating England at a World Cup match and knocking us out. I believe that was the Euros. Oh, okay. All right. We still got knocked out by Iceland, right? It stings a bit. Um, He then bails him out of jail. He gets his government, the Icelandic government, to offer political asylum to Bobby Fischer. And that means Iceland are going to piss off the Japanese and the United States. And Iceland go, come on home, Bobby, we'll have you. Fair play to Iceland. They don't care. And he's spouting all this anti-Semitic crap. He gets off the plane. He looks like, do you ever just watch Saddam look like just before he got hung? Yeah. He's hiding in a ditch. He's got like, he's got that wild fucking beard about him he's got a cap over his eyes and then someone just just as he gets in the car they make a joke about how he didn't want to be in Iceland the first time when he was doing the games with Spassky the, the mind games or, that or hit two. a nerve 
And he went, no, that was a CIA setup, actually, and closes the car door. <laughs> he then, the following day, right, he has a shave. Then there's a press conference. So this press conference, for me, was the highlight of it. Oh, so, it was brutal. Absolutely brutal. The guy who uh, he speaks to um, is Dick Shaft's son. Ah, right. And Dick and Dick Shaft did an article talking about how Bobby was arrogant, how he was this, how he was that. Busy, a negative uh, uh, thing about Bobby. And Bobby being a nutcase who reads everything about himself. And, like, you ever seen um, if, a, if an athlete calls out a newspaper and what they say? It seems so petty. Yeah. It just it just doesn't look good on them. There's a Ricky Gervais quote I'm a big fan of where um, there's a comedian that tweets him an insult every day and he never responds. And someone asked, why don't you ever respond to this guy? He says, listen, a dog barking at the moon is no big deal. If the moon barks back, the dog becomes famous. <laughs> That's a great quote. Which which I, I, I fully subscribe to that. So, but he's he's a, like, again, like, so he's ripping Dick Shaft because his son's in the room. And he says he was a typical Jewish snake. Yeah. So he's like, because he called me arrogant, he called me anti-Semitic, he called me this, he called me that. And the son goes, I'll have to stop you there, Bobby, because you have done nothing today to disprove anything my dad said. And then he is stunned. He's he's looking like he's looking across from Spassky, wondering what to do with his fucking night. He does not know what to say, because this is a different person you've seen from the first half. He is a... Angry, crotchety, fucking racist, xenophobic, yeah. anti-Semitic. He is the absolute worst what this guy has become. He is the, one of the most aggressive talkers I've ever even fucking heard. Yeah, yeah. And the guy stuns and, him. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, just... and that's the last 10 minutes of the documentary, right? That's when that starts happening. They should have just spent less time on the Spassky and more time on the Bobby Fisher unraveling, basically. Sorry, the quote was, he said, I don't have a saying bone in my body. And the guy says, uh, I'm going to have to stop you there, Bobby. You've not done anything to disprove that today. And then walked off without anyone else talking. And he just but he, sat there. But he didn't walk off straight away, right? He let it yep. hang in the room. And the tension is horrible, isn't it? You're like, fucking hell, someone say something. And then after about 40, 50 seconds, which seems like a long time, he then just turns around and walks off. And yeah, Bobby Fisher's just left sat there. And you, you're just waiting for the next bit where he goes, any other questions? Anyone? <laughs> any, anyone? So no. anyway, I'll, I'll be playing chess uh, down down on Scratchy's Corner. Uh, <laughs> sponsored by Big Cheese, Big Cheese Chess Tournament. <laughs> but the, Iceland, the Icelandics, they love Bobby Fischer because by agreeing to have that initial Spassky match in Iceland, they believe that's responsible for putting Iceland on the map. So, um, uh, yeah, they're a, uh, they're a big fan of him. And then they get to talk about what his life was like in Iceland because he alienated himself from everyone. You had a guy, you had footage of a guy going for a walk with him and the guy has to yell at him going, look, this could be a fucking conversation, not a monologue, because he's just yeah. yelling about the Jewish agenda. That's his neurologist. Is that his neurologist? Yeah, to Jeez. see if there's anything wrong with his brain. Yeah, yeah. And he said, Bobby Fischer said, look, I don't consider myself to be a genius at chess. I'm a genius who plays chess. And then he refused to take dialysis. Yeah. Because <laughs> he thought they were after him. He denied himself health care and he died age 64 in the year 2008. 64, weirdly, same number of squares on a chessboard. <laughs> 
conspiracy. I'll let you all work that one out. Coincidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they put some banners up. So I, I feel like we've rolled through this, but I just wish the last... T- they could have cut out half an hour in the middle, I reckon. Mind you, I've never made a documentary. I, I, I have to edit an hour podcast and it's hard enough work. So I can see why they left some of it in. Hey, listen. Because it he, does all move it forward. And it is it is quite an interesting documentary. It, like, he I, was I, a person of interest, but I think you may have have to have been swept up around that time to find it interesting for me. Because I was told a very um, streamlined version of it, which I think I'd watched back in the day and why I probably agreed to watch it where basically like uh, an overblown version of him like making a like the dumbest mistake ever and the and and the guy shits his pants thinking it's a trick and he wins the chess match I do not remember it being first to 24 points or whatever <laughs> the the three week the 16 week training yeah, yeah. he had for it and it's just yeah it, it was interesting because he's probably the only notable figure within chess I, I, I don't know anyone else Kasparov yeah, yeah, can yeah. Kasparov is uh, reasonably well famous. There's a, um, there's another movie. There's a movie about his life oh, of Tobey um, Maguire, Spider Man. Yeah, with yeah, Porn Sacrifice. This is how big he was, right? He made chess popular. I want to watch that movie because I bet, I bet, any money that cuts off before he starts making the phone calls about nine eleven and talking about the elders of Zion. I don't see Tobey Maguire doing that part of it. I think yeah, I think they do because I watched the trailer for that. I I couldn't face watching the film. I I will one day, but just yeah, not at the moment. I would say rather than watch watch this documentary, and it's not that long, right? It was an hour. It's not it, like you see if you're interested in Bobby Fischer, um, well, I'd watch the documentary. I'd I'd recommend the Queen's Gambit, which is like the serialized uh, Hollywood version of his life, but with characters like fleshed out real characters who don't become anti-Semitic. It's quite nice. Well, who knows? Season two, season three, that last might <laughs> start just glaring at lawyers. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a great couple of uh, banners they put up at the end of the podcast, uh, at the end of the documentary. So the success and the win over Spassky made an unprecedented chess boom in the United States and around the world. 600 million people play chess, making it the world's most popular board game. And Bobby Fischer teaches chess is the best-selling book on chess ever. So, um, yeah, it was it was quite interesting. And it had the greatest soundtrack. Oh, yeah. When, when you see Bobby Fischer and then they put the Shaft theme music to it, I'm like, they are reaching. <laughs> <laughs> they are this is they're trying to pump up as much drama as this is possible uh, uh well but give us your score what do you reckon uh, I, i'm giving that one or two um bloody yeah. hell that's low isn't it yeah yeah i i i thought there just wasn't that many entertaining bits and i thought like because i sport uni went oh wait until the last 10 minutes some weird stuff happens i thought oh oh it is like oh great <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought it was a. I thought it was going to be an inspiring. Uh, it really wasn't inspiring. Thing. Like, no, yeah, it wasn't I, I give that. But, but interesting documentary in parts. It's just, yeah, it's just you couldn't get any decent. I like to see something you wouldn't see in a movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, again, I hate yeah. to keep coming back to it, but there was. It's hardly like an orca falling on someone, was it? When he took porn forward. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, well, I'll give this one um, just because I really like the music as well. And it was interesting. And I don't think you understand how rough the Cold War, for for those of us who went through it partially. Um, yeah, I'm going to give this free. All right, that's fine. And I think that is being more than generous. That is a bit more than it probably I, I, I dropped my score the moment I heard him talking to his neurologist because I was like, I've had to speak to people like that. And I thought I kind of... Yeah, you, you know everything about him the minute you see this the anger he's pointing and fucking yelling yeah. like that it's just it's uncontrollable but the neurologist actually turns around to him and the first words out of the neurologist's mouth are fuck off Bobby yeah Which, like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay then because that stops him in his tracks doesn't he he's like you, what and he gives him that you can't talk to me like that look well, I can when you're pumping out that shit. I can, you anti-Semitic prick. Um, and the guy who shot him down, that is a brilliant, brilliant fucking bit because you see it, it, it does linger and you see in his face of him trying to fucking think of what to say next and what will be said back. And he's just like, I am in shutdown mode now. <laughs> yeah. What, what I was thinking was, because obviously he had mental health issues and it's because he's trying to control everything and he's trying to think what that person will say and then what, what will be said next. And then he'd counter with this. He's trying to map out his conversations like a chess game. So the different permutations going through in his head, you know, they drove him a bit nuts. Yeah. they. If you've ever worked with a control freak, that's exactly what they're like. And anything you say before you even finish saying it, they're interrupting you with, because they've already thought that you're, you know, oh, I know what you're going to say. If you say that, I'm going to say this. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Anyway, I felt sorry that he went a bit mental. That just, that was quite sad. Yeah, well, like I said, if he just, if he just did what he was fucking good at, like, I mean, we we skipped over, but he wins the grand championship. That's his dream, and yeah. then then he has his defending thing, and he goes, "Nah, balls to you, I'm not doing it." And it's just like, I'm sorry, the prize money isn't what you want it to be. What the fuck else are you gonna do? Invent the Bobby, <laughs> do the fucking Bobby Fisher chessboard. Everyone will buy that particular board, and then you got a fucking business. But like, you have to play chess. Unfortunately, Bobby, that's what you fucking chosen to do. <laughs> what I thought was quite admirable about him, and it's tough to say that about you know because of what he became. He was a conspiracy theorist before the internet. I mean, you have to put the time in to be a conspiracy theorist. No, before that was the like or five. That was after it. No, he so. was a conspiracy theorist in the in the sixties. Well, in the especially in the seventies, before yeah. the internet even came along, he was spouting this. I tell you what, can you imagine the amount of horrified bookstores they had to go into and ask for the the learned teachings of the Elder Scrolls of Zion, <laughs> or whatever the fuck it's called? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> The amount of Get places out. you had to go and ask for that. It's just like, is that the one that, uh, yeah, yeah, he, he read it in Germany. Yeah, <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was also just the way they overblew certain things. What was, oh, you're going to have to cut out the thinking time on this, but it was a part of it. What was it? Give me a sec, buddy. Wow. 
See, that last 20 seconds there was what the chest was fucking like. (laughs) (laughs) What a sport. (laughs) The Cold War hung in the fucking balance. Get the fuck out of here. This hyperbole was ridiculous. (laughs) Very good. Right, let's wrap it up on that. Uh, My name's been Matt Wills. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Rick. All right. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Ta-da. Ta-da.